Friends podcast. I'm your host, Katherine Singer. I'm a Christian writer and blogger living in the beautiful state of Alaska. I'm also a trauma survivor and a mental health advocate. I've been through some tough things in my life, and I'm sure you have too. Grace Moments is about helping you hold on to belief in your darkest hours, embrace hope by knowing your suffering is never wasted, and be inspired by the stories of others who have survived their own tragedy. Life, however difficult, can be a meaningful journey, and I'm here to walk it with you. So let's do this together. Sometimes the things that take place in our lives can feel so random and unfair. It can be tempting to turn our backs on God as we feel He has somehow turned His back on us. Today we're going to look at some examples from history, as well as Scripture, that prove to us that no afflicting stroke from the Almighty is ever without its proper place or design, and that all our life events, as well as those of human history, fulfill their role in the ultimate plan of God, giving us reason to hope amid our trials. Perhaps you need some courage and some perspective today regarding something you're going through, and I'm here to hopefully give you some. So let's get started. When we reflect back on our lives, we can often point to distinctive experiences that were meaningful. Graduation, our wedding day, the birth of our children, a rare life or career opportunity. So many things that we can agree proved impactful and special to us personally. But there are also moments of a different sort, ones that we can assuredly say that had they happened differently, we would have never ended up where we did. They were life-altering, soul-shaping, redefining experiences that upended everything we knew, shook up our lives as we knew them, and forever altered the trajectory of where we were headed as people. Among these might be a certain relationship or friendship, a certain loss, a mission trip, a health crisis, or even our conversion. These were times that proved pivotal in determining who we became and what we ended up doing with our one precious life. These were, in short, defining moments. But what we often fail to realize is there were countless smaller defining moments behind the big ones, lesser decisions, or experiences that were setups for the major ones when they came along. Moments that were equally as important, but are perhaps less easily identified. Canadian lawyer Dick Pound may have said that occasions for defining moments do not arise every day, but I would venture to say that that's not entirely true. There are possibly hundreds of powerful and shaping things occurring in us, through us, and around us constantly, that added up over time, often lead us to singular moments of decision, purpose, and calling that forever change the course of our personal destiny. Sometimes in the daily grind of life, it's hard to notice what these specific moments may be. It can feel as though life is a mishmash of random experiences that have little to do with each other, and it can be difficult to make sense out of how those random things fit into the larger picture of what God is doing and where we are personally headed. But upon paying closer attention to them, we begin to make out tiny yet crucially important themes that all lead to an eventual end, at which point we can look back and see how things tie together. Theologian and author Sinclair Ferguson wisely notes, 
that among four vital points that a struggling person must understand in order to survive their adversity, one is to know the patterns of God's providence. The concept of God's providential hand is one that prior generations of believers were far more familiar with than we are today. Earlier believers were much more in tune with the idea that God wisely and faithfully directs the course of human events and that all happenings can be traced back in some way to His gracious plan. The fact that all occurrences in life were part of a larger purpose, that history intersected with faith, was much more at the forefront of the average person's mind than it is now. At its simplest definition, according to Dr. J. Vernon McGee, providence is the means by which God directs all things, both animate and inanimate, seen and unseen, good and evil, toward a worthy purpose, which means His will must finally prevail. He continues, Providence is the way that God is directing the universe. He is moving it into tomorrow. He is moving it into the future. Providence means to provide. Providence means that the hand of God is in the glove of all human events. It is easy to see when it involves situations that would seem most favorable, but harder to see when it necessitates a seeming contrary course of action. When providence appears friendly to our hopes, dreams, and experience, it is easy to bless God and to notice His exacting care for our circumstances. But it is more difficult to accept that His oversight is still wise and good and that His plan is still good when what He allows appears to go against all that we desire or deem right. To still believe, as the old hymn states, that behind a frowning providence He shows a smiling face. Perhaps in the course of your own life, you can go back and remember times when it appeared as though God was sleeping on the job, when it seemed as though He was sitting back and just letting everything fall apart with no apparent kind thought for your good, when it felt totally warranted to accuse God of neglect, failing to realize that the very moment of discouragement, loneliness, despair, hopelessness, and frustration you found yourself in was only the latest twist in what is still an epic story, his story. Sometimes in my life, when the hand of God has been harder to identify, I found it helpful to go to the examples in history of times when others faced the same types of challenges as what I currently was facing, to return to the faithfulness of God as demonstrated in these various individuals' lives, and to remind myself that just because things look bleak today does not mean that God is any less sovereign or that his plans are subject to change, as are my own. To remember the defining moments of others, and the less obvious but equally important experiences and events that led up to them. Somehow it always causes me to check myself a little when I want to rail against God for why things are going a certain way in my life. Think about the story of Esther in the Bible, for instance. If the Jews had not been carried off into captivity... Her cousin Mordecai would not have been placed in the court position he was. If her parents had not died, she would never have gone to live with him. If the queen of Persia had not dishonored the king as she did, he would not have been in want of a new queen. And thus Esther would never have been brought before him, along with all the single ladies in the land, eventually being in a position where she could help save her people, the Jews, from Haman's evil plot to exterminate them. If Hadassah, as she was known back then, does not lose her parents, 
likely her entire people group gets wiped out. Consider that for a moment. God allowed her to become orphaned with the intent that she would save thousands of lives. God allowed the loss of her parents, but in the end prevented the loss of countless others. In much the same way, if Israel is not taken into Babylonian captivity, the miracle of the fiery furnace and the testimony of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego never take place, nor does the testimony of Daniel in the lion's den or his crucial role in the royal kingdom for many years. Now, did any of them want or choose to be carted off by their captors? Of course not. And did God eventually bring them back to Israel? Yes, he did. But he knew he had to get them out of their homeland for a while in order to bring about his redemptive purposes. If Joseph's brothers treat him well and never throw him into that pit over their jealousy for him, he probably never gets sent to Egypt with that caravan, and thus isn't there to help save his family and the nation from the famine years later. God worked through the seeming evil intentions of his siblings in order to work an even greater deliverance. And so Joseph stated himself when he told them that they had meant it for evil, but God meant it for good to orchestrate the saving of many lives. If a young widow named Ruth never loses her husband, or if she chooses to remain in Moab instead of following her mother-in-law back to Bethlehem, she never meets and marries Boaz, through whom comes the lineage of Christ. If a young American native Indian named Tisquantum or Squanto is not kidnapped and taken to Spain in 1614, raised by monks who give him both an academic and a spiritual education, if he does not make his way eventually to England where he learns to speak English and remains with his tribe, the Patuxet, he likely succumbs to the epidemic that wipes out his entire tribe and he does not survive to return in 1619, where he ends up residing with another tribe near Plymouth, Massachusetts, and upon meeting a struggling band of 50 pilgrims the following year who had recently landed in the New World, becomes crucial in diplomatic associations between them and the local tribes, and thanks to his translation ability, he also never ends up playing a critical role in the pilgrims' agricultural knowledge, helping them to till the land, and begin to provide for themselves. From those 50 pilgrims, we owe the foundations of American liberty and our beginnings as a country. A statue of Squanto still stands in tribute at the historical site of the pilgrims there in Plymouth today. If a young man named George Washington doesn't lose his father, he likely goes to England for his education and military training, as did his older brothers, and never ends up surveying the colonial frontier and joining the local militia becoming a man of the colonies and an expert at backcountry warfare, which serves him well as commander-in-chief during the War for Independence, eventually making him our nation's first president and the subsequent father of our country. If a bullet hits its target and takes out a young British war correspondent in India during a bloody battle, and if that same man doesn't survive a train ambush and subsequent prisoner of war stint in South Africa during the Boer War, if his daring escape from that prisoner of war camp is at all discovered, and he never makes it to friendly territory, that man whom we now know as Winston Churchill never rises to become British Prime Minister and help lead his nation years later through the horrors of World War II. On a personal note, if a young Marine Corps lieutenant named Irving Grundell doesn't have his leg broken on the final training exercise before shipping out to the Pacific during World War II, and ends up having to stay behind instead of going with the rest of his platoon, 
He likely is among the 97% casualties his unit sustained and never returns home where he marries and has two children, one of whom is my amazing mom. Countless other stories exist in which we can identify strange turns of events to which we can attribute nothing but the obvious hand of God. In this way, Anechius Bataeus, a 6th century Greek scholar, observed that it is only the power of God to which evils may be good when by their proper use he elicits some good result. These many instances are evidence that, for all the ways in which life's events feel random to us, God's rule is never arbitrary. God never sits in the heavens and suddenly decides on a whim to do or not do certain things. Everything that takes place does so within a plan that has existed since before the beginning of time. And that plan is wise, and it is good. And when we forget that simple fact and form false conclusions about God's purposes based on what we can perceive, we can probably lay the blame at our own feet, rather than at the feet of the all-knowing, all-powerful, all-wise God. As 16th century preacher John Flavel once confessed, it is my ignorance of God's design that makes me quarrel with him. When we look at scripture, we see as John Witherspoon, president of Princeton University, and signer of the Declaration of Independence once stated that the doctrine of divine providence is very full and complete in the sacred oracles. It extends not only to things which we may think of great moment and therefore worthy of notice, but to things the most indifferent and inconsiderable. It extends not only to things beneficial and salutary or to the direction and assistance of those who are the servants of the living God, but to things seemingly most hurtful and destructive and to persons the most refractory and disobedient. He overrules all his creatures and all their actions. Thus we are told that fire, hail, snow, vapor, and stormy wind fulfill his word. In the course of nature, and even so, the most impetuous and disorderly passions of men that are under no restraint from themselves are yet perfectly subject to the dominion of Jehovah. They carry out his commission. They obey his orders. They are limited and restrained by his authority, and they conspire with everything else in promoting his glory. It was to this that Bataeus noted even evil men have been used by God to make other evil men good. All the pride and wickedness of the human race and all the sufferings they are subject to are guided by and directed accordingly under the sovereign and wise hand of God. Thus, our defining moments are ordained and orchestrated by his sometimes unseen hand for his glory and our ultimate good. The Bible is filled with countless passages indicating the gracious and wise oversight of God and his providential involvement in the course of human events and the lives of individuals. Proverbs 16.9 The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Proverbs 21.1 The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. Daniel 2.21 He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. Matthew 5.45 He makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Proverbs 19.21 Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. 
Proverbs 20, 24. A man's steps are from the Lord. How then can a man understand his way? Jeremiah 10, 23. The steps of man is not in himself. It is not in man who walks to direct his steps. It's a strange thing how we can often quote verses like Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Yet we can decide that a truth like that only applies to things that are pleasing to us, that for good must apply an immunity to pain, that all things that happen must be in themselves good. But the reality is this is not what it says. It says that all things work together for good. Not that everything that happens is necessarily good. The promise is that the result is always for good and not evil concerning the followers of Jesus Christ. And we have been given a blessed assurance that under all circumstances, the same God who raises kings and removes kings, who controls the weather and under whose gaze all humanity conducts its affairs, is the same God who continues to guide and determine the course of your life and mine that all moments, be they small or great, are defining ones when it comes to their exact time, manner, and effect. Understanding that even when situations occur in your life that appear most contrary to your perceived welfare, God has still set both the particular suffering and its duration, ought to give you some level of divine hope and trust in the greater purpose under which you operate. God knows every single millisecond of your story, And it rightly suits you to grasp on some minute level that there are, as Witherspoon stated, fixed bounds to every human thing. That the righteous and wise hand of God has crafted a plan for your life and is carrying out that plan with the utmost perfection. Your adversity will not arrive nor linger any longer than to serve its intended purpose. And when that purpose has been fulfilled, it will pass. Thus we might well say, along with David in Psalm 145.17, that the Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. Even saying regarding the most painful occurrences in our lives, that indeed he has afflicted us in faithfulness. In his sermon, The Dominion of Providence Over the Passions of Men, from which I have quoted several times today, Witherspoon assesses that it is the duty of every good man to place the most unlimited confidence in divine wisdom and to believe that those measures of providence that are most unintelligible to him are yet planned with the same skill and directed to the same purposes as others. Providence is wonderfully intricate, said Charles Spurgeon over 100 years later. You want always to see through providence, do you not? You never will, I assure you. You have not eyes good enough. You want to see what good that affliction was to you. You must believe it. You want to see how it can bring good to the soul. You must be enabled in a little time, but you cannot see it now. You must believe it. Honor God by trusting Him. Often we beg God in the moment for a reason regarding our defining moments. On occasion, He will show a glimpse of His intended plan, but largely, as Spurgeon noted, we will not understand for some time. We will not perhaps ever fully see how our experiences fit into the greater heavenly scheme at work. After all, it is only now, multiple millennia later, that we are allowed to read the stories of Scripture and see how the sufferings of an Esther or a Joseph or a Daniel have their place in history's flow. And so too it may be with us. Perhaps the purpose for our pain 
may not be grasped within our lifetime, and only will later generations see some answer as to why our lives played out the way they did. Every once in a great while, God may grant you a big defining moment to which you can ascribe many happenings in your life and point to the cohesiveness of it all. But in many cases, His purposes will often be veiled to your understanding, calling you into deeper faith. It was this, after all, that sustained Esther in her grief over her parents' death. Joseph, as he journeyed to Egypt with that caravan, wondering if he would ever see his family again. Daniel, as he was led with his people into captivity, or when he faced the threatening mouths of the lions. Or the three, as they told the king they would rather face the fiery furnace with God than bow before a graven image. Somehow all the little times of faithful obedience added up to grace given to meet the big moments when they arrived. And in time, God turned even the wicked intents of their enemies around for good, showcasing how all the losses, all the pains, all the happenings not easily understood fit together into a much greater plan. Hebrews 12.11 states that all discipline, correction, chastening of the Lord feels unpleasant and painful at the time. None of the people we've looked at today were happy about their situations, I'm sure. Pain is real. But all such sorrow, suffering, and hardship later on produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. And here we see the ultimate design of God in all our circumstances, particularly the most unpleasant. God uses adversity as the raw material from which He produces faithfulness in our lives and the lives of others. In God's mind, the character and the endurance and the good which may result from what we undergo far outweighs the difficulty of the situations themselves. It is for this reason that Christ reminds us again and again that we do not see now what He is doing, but later we will understand. I'm sure that once the Jewish people were saved thanks to Queen Esther's courageous pleas before the king, that somehow the loss of her parents made a bit of sense. She never would have ended up in the king's court otherwise. Perhaps it made Daniel of the three in the furnace feel as though their trials were worth it when they saw the king humble himself as a result of God's intervention on their behalf. We definitely know Joseph came to a redemptive conclusion later on because he said so directly to his brothers. Perhaps the events going on in your life appear to be a bit meaningless and random. Perhaps the bad news that's just been sprung on you feels undeserved. Maybe you feel like what you're currently dealing with is unfair, and God has somehow let you down. Whatever the case, know this, friend. You may not know, but God does. And somehow that should be enough to carry you through. What took you by surprise did not shock God and he is already determined to use it for good in the long run. You may be kept waiting for a while until you find out. You may never completely ever find out, but you can be assured that it will not go to waste, that somehow in the grand scheme of his design, this tragedy, this pain, this difficulty, this challenge, fits into his plan. It has its place, and it has its purpose. It has its predetermined length and severity, and it has its boundaries. And there is something particular about you being in this place at this time to go through this exact situation that God wishes to do and has chosen you for the job. Underlying his falsely perceived absence and lack of judgment is an actual love that selected you for a special assignment in the broad plan of God. Puritan Samuel Rutherford advised, let us be faithful and care for our own part, 
which is to do and suffer for him, and lay Christ's part on himself, and leave it there. Duties are ours, events are the Lord's. When our faith goeth to meddle with events, and to hold a court, if I may so speak, with God's providence, and beginneth to say, How wilt thou do this or that? We lose ground. We have nothing to do there. It is our part to let the Almighty exercise His own office and steer His own helm. There is nothing left to us but to see how we may be approved of Him and how we may roll the weight of our weak souls in well-doing upon Him who is God omnipotent. Whatever is to come out of our life, Spurgeon wisely says, it is in our Heavenly Father's hand. We are absolutely at His disposal, and all our circumstances are arranged by Him in all their details. We are comforted to have it so. If it seems like things are happening in your life that most seem to go against your personal desires or welfare, don't be quick to blame God and conclude that you are suffering unfairly or that the current happenings in your life are meaningless. Give God a chance and ask yourself if perhaps you just haven't seen the purpose yet. In time, you will likely understand at least a partial reason behind the divine allowance of all this unexpected trial in your life. But until that happens, comfort yourself with the truth that no occurrence in your story is ever without its ultimate place and that the same God who so graciously led the lives of those we looked at today is the same God who also leads yours, and you can trust Him. The things you are going through today that appear so random and so unnecessary could very well be defining moments that precede an even greater defining moment down the road for which you would have been unprepared if not for the present suffering and twists of providence in your life. So hold on and keep living the chapters of your narrative, friend. I promise you that as the plot thickens and the tale feels bleak, it is only the setup for something better further on in the story. As the old hymn so eloquently puts it, farther along we'll know all about it. Farther along we'll understand why. Thanks so much for listening. If you liked what you heard on today's episode, please subscribe to this podcast as well as leave a review. If you want to read additional content, please visit and subscribe to my blog at www.graceopens.blogspot.com. You can also connect with me on social media via Twitter at OpenToGrace2015, Instagram and Parlor at OpenToGraceAlaska, and on MeWe under my name, Katherine Singer. I'll see you in the next episode, and remember, Grace will always meet you where you are.